Well, it's time for us to go to the Word of God and to continue our study in the book of Mark. And so we are starting a new chapter this morning. Let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Our text for this morning will be verses 1 to 10. Mark chapter 8, verses 1 to 10. The writer writes, In these days, when there was again a large crowd and there was nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some have come from a great distance. And his disciples answered him, Where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? And he was asking them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground and taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and broke them and started giving them to his disciples to serve them. And they served them to the people. They also had a few small fish, and after he had blessed them, he ordered these to be served as well. And they ate and were satisfied, and they picked up seven large baskets full of what was left over of broken pieces. About 4,000 were there, and he sent them away, and immediately he entered the boat with his disciples and came to the district of Dalmanatha. Let us go to the Lord in prayer before we tackle our passage this morning. Heavenly Father, again, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be working. We know that nothing that is accomplished here will be of any value unless the Holy Spirit works in our hearts. And so we pray that you would prepare our hearts to hear your word. I pray that your word would go forth in power. I pray that you would protect your word and only what is true and what is right will be heard this morning. And so we pray that your church will be built up because they have heard the word of the Lord this morning in your name. Amen. There was a man who went to the bank. He decided that he wanted to get some money out of the bank. So he walked into the bank, he walked up to the teller and he said, I would like to withdraw some money. So the teller said to him, well, sir, if you're going to withdraw money from the bank, you're going to have to make out a check and you're going to have to sign it. And the man said, I don't want to sign it. And he said, sir, the only way for you to get money out of this bank is for you to write this check and to sign it. So the man, in frustration, left the bank. He crossed the street and he went to another bank. He walked in and he proceeded to go through the same procedure. I would like to withdraw some money. Sir, you're going to have to write a check and withdraw the money. The man refused. Upon that refusal, the teller grabbed him 
by one ear and the other ear and banged his head three times onto the counter. After which the man took out a pen, calmly signed the check. Then the man returned to the first bank and said, listen, I got money out of the other bank. The teller said, well, how did that happen? How did you get money out of the bank? He said, sometimes he said, he said, sorry, I missed it. (laughs) He said, they explained it to me. They explained it to me. And sometimes there is a time where we are being trying to be taught a lesson and sometimes we just need it explained over and over again and in a way that we understand. And this man wanted to take out money, but he didn't understand it. But it was just like, bang, bang. This is the way it's got to be. And the light went on for him. Guess what? If I'm going to get money out of the bank, I'm going to have to sign this check. And for the disciples, this is what really is taking place as we come to the, to the feeding of the 4,000. Jesus is almost at that point where the disciple, he's trying to give them money. He's trying to get them to understand and they just are not getting it. And it's like he has to reach through the gate, grab them by the ears, bang, bang, bang. Let's explain this one more time so you understand what's going on. And so this morning, you could really entitle today's message, Eat, Pick Up, Repeat because he is trying to get them to understand some of the lessons that are taking place. Ultimately, he wants them to recognize who he is. They want, he wants them to understand that he is the Son of God and that they need to turn to him. So as we come to this text this morning, we're going to see that there are five really lessons or five principles that we need to understand if we are going to be effective in serving Christ, if we are going to be effective in our ability to serve him. Now, the first thing that we're going to see this morning, and the first thing that I want us to notice is that there are some scholars who would tell us that the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 are the same story. And they like to say, listen, why would he feed people twice? After all, I think what happened here is, is that the writers got mixed up. After all, I mean, it's easy to do. They maybe even forgot that they told this story. And so they're recalling events, but it's actually the same event. Well, we have enough differences for us to understand that this is not the same event. First of all, the first audience in the feeding of the 5,000 was primarily Jewish. He was in the area of Galilee near Bethsaida. It was a Jewish settlement. It was a Jewish area. There was a Jewish audience. Here in the feeding of the 5,000 is primarily a Gentile area. He's in Decapolis. It is a different audience, a different place. 5,000, he had five loaves and two fishes. Here, he has seven loaves and a few fish. Now, a few normally means what? Three or more, right? Because a couple is two, right? So he had at least three fish, maybe more. So there's a difference there. After, afterwards, there was 12 baskets picked up with the 5,000. Here there are seven. 
So the crowd was with him for one day when he fed the 5,000. Here they are with him for three days. There was green grass last time. There is no green grass this time. It's late in summer. The grass is dried out. When Christ performed the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, they wanted to make him king. Here there's what? No response at all. And so we see not only are there, there are major differences in the story, but even, even if we could explain all of those, who do we understand wrote Scripture? The Holy Spirit moved what? Men, right? It is the Holy Spirit that wrote this, and He put this story in here. There are no mistakes in the Bible, and therefore we can be confident that this is a different episode that God intended to place in Scripture. And therefore, we stand firmly and we stand confidently on the Word of God. Well, as we come to our passage then, and as we start to look at these principles or these lessons that we need to remember, that remember Christ is reminding His disciples, He's really giving them the, uh, the same lesson over again. The first thing that I want us to, to see that we need to do is we need to cultivate the compassion like Christ, compassion like Christ. Now it says, in those days. Well, we, re we remember that Christ has been tra traveling in Gentile territory. He, he had left, he'd gone up to the area of Tyre and Sidon. He had healed the woman there. He then traveled all the way back in a circuitous route to the east side of the Sea of Galilee. And there he had healed a man who was deaf and dumb and so it is in those days it would appear that this is, is the immediate days after the healing of that man in the next three days this takes place and so in those days when there was again a large crowd and they had nothing to eat and again what happens is like always when Christ shows up when Christ heals somebody people show up people are there to see him, people are there to be healed. And Matthew records that he was doing a bunch of healings before this. And so here is Christ again drawing a large crowd. They have come out to see him. And this crowd has been with him, it says, for a while. They have had nothing to eat. And Christ said to his disciples, I feel compassion for these, the people because they have re remained with me now for three days and had nothing to eat. And Jesus says, listen to his disciples. It's almost like after three days, Christ probably hasn't eaten. His disciples probably haven't eaten. And at this point, Christ recognizes that this crowd that has been with him is becoming hungry and has not eaten for three days. And the idea here is, is that they are, that, that Christ is moved. He looks at the crowd and, and there, is, there is that part of him that just reaches out for these people. This is the first time actually in Mark and, and, and actually in all of Mark where Christ actually says he has compassion. Every other time it is attributed to him by, by Mark. Mark will say he has had compassion. And what we'll notice that when it's attributed to him, he had, first of all, compassion on lepers. Then he had on revolutionaries, Gentiles, and the demon-possessed. Jesus is always having compassion on those who have the greatest need. He sees those who are in trouble, those who cannot help himself themselves, and he is moved with compassion. 
And Jesus says, they have remained with me. They have stayed with me. This is an intensified form of the word remain. In other words, the idea here is that these people have clung to Christ. They have come, sure, some of them to be healed, but they are, they are clinging to Christ. There, there's a person, personal relationship, as it were. There's, a, there's an investment of the people. They want to see Christ. They want to hear Christ. They want to hear what he has to say. Now, this is, this is a bit of a different response than Jesus got from the Jews. But these people are clinging and wanting to be with him. And Christ, after feeding them spiritually, after healing them, now wants to deal with their physical needs. And his concern is, if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. In other words, if I send them, they're going to collapse and fall. It, the word here is actually used of unstringing a bow. You know what happens to a bowstring when you take it off and you let go, right? He says, I'm afraid that they're, they're going to get partway home and they're going to fall. And he says, for some of them have come from a great distance. This is only recorded in Mark. But the idea here is the capitalist, unlike Galilee, is not populated with all of these little towns. Everything is spread out. It's a rugged area. And if these people go, there's no 7-Eleven. There's no local market to go to in order to get refreshments. Once they're committed on the road, there's nothing between here and home. And so Christ is concerned that if he sends them, that they will faint, that they won't make it. And this, this is just like Christ, isn't it? This is really just like God. He has compassion on those who are in need. If we were just to look through the Old Testament, we would continually see God giving and his compassion. If we look at the nation of Israel, all they did was what? If, we, if we're honest, if we look at the text, they are what? They gripe and complain. And yet God continues to what? Provide for them, right? He takes them out of Egypt. He protects them from, from Pharaoh who comes after them. He takes them. He leads them through the desert. He gives them manna. He gives them water from a rock. He provides for their physical needs. He didn't just take them out and say, well, you're going to be a royal priesthood for me. Oop. I hope it works out for you. He continued to take care of their needs. Do we remember the name of the slave girl named Hagar and her son? God came and cared for her, provided what she needed as she was in the wilderness. Do we remember the widow that Elijah came to, the Gentile widow whose son was starving to, and her were starving to death, and God blessed her? All the time, remember Lazarus? God raised him from the dead. Hundreds died. He what? Raised him up. God is a caring God. He has demonstrated that he is compassionate for the needs of people. Now, what I want you to notice here is this. Christ's primary ministry was to the spiritual needs of people. He came, he said, I came to what? Preach, right? I've come to preach. I want to preach in the synagogues. I'm going to give the message of the kingdom uh, that you need to believe, the repentance of sin. That was his primary, primary job. But it did not end there. 
He had compassion for the physical needs of people. And we must recognize that we are to be having the same compassion as Jesus Christ. If he is our example, then we need to be fostering that same compassion like Jesus Christ. First of all, Christ came what? And he died for sinners. He's the one who came to earth, became a man, died on the cross. He is the one who has had enough compassion and love for humanity to die for them and to bring them to himself. We too must develop a compassion for who? The lost. We must be compassionate for those who need him. But our compassion needs not to stop there. If we are to be like Christ, then we are to meet the what? After meeting the spiritual needs, we are to meet the what? Physical needs as we can. And Christ, Christ did it for the, for the multitude. And he has left us here in a church and in the world to do the same thing. Now, primarily, our, now what we find here now is we need to be careful. Because we tend to fall off the log on both sides of this issue. We become so concerned about people's spiritual needs that people can't hear us because they are so hungry that their stomachs are growling. On the other hand, we become so convinced and so about people's physical needs that we forget to give them the gospel and make that our primary thing to do. Now, I want to make it clear. We are not given the mandate to go and feed the world. We are given a mandate to give the gospel. But we still need to have a compassion for those who are in need. And we, God has placed us in a body, and that's why he says in Galatians 6.10, do good to all men, especially to what? To the household of faith. And so he has left us here to be doing good to those who are in need. And so what we need to do is to ask God to give us a compassion for those in need. That we too would, rec we, those who would be sensitive to the needs, spiritually and physically, of others. If Christ was compassionate, if he demonstrated compassion, if he was concerned, then we need to be too. And for in, in I think probably for for in our circles, we tend to be very we, we emphasize the spiritual, but we must not neglect the physical as well. But it cannot be primary. So let us be those who have a heart like Christ, who is compassionate for those in need, a compassion that leads to taking care of those needs. Christ says if we come to him, he will carry our burdens. He is compassionate. We are to, com to help those who are in need. So we need to cultivate compassion like Christ. Secondly, we'll see here, we need to remember our resources in Christ. We need to remember our resources in Christ. It says in verse 4, And his disciples answered him, Where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? So it's apparent that either Christ asked a question and they, they're answering it, or they're assuming the question and they're answering it. And their response is, where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? Again, you have to love the disciples. For me, they are such an encouragement. 
because these men, just several months before, have sat with Christ, where Christ asked really the same questions, same circumstances, same everything, just a new town. And they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know. We don't have enough food. There's no stores new. But what do we do? I mean, seriously, we, we, we look at this and, and, and you're just like, what is the matter with you guys? You guys just, you guys were just with Christ several short months ago. Don't you remember? Don't you remember scooping up? Don't you remember the lunch you took away? You each had a basket. And now you're saying what? Oh, there's no bread here. There's no stores. What are we going to do? This is impossible. And you look at this and, you, and you're, you're almost thinking this cannot be. This, this simply cannot be. I mean, really, how, how can this happen? You know, it's funny. How often are we just like the disciples where God does something supernaturally miraculous in our lives and we're like, wow, that was fantastic. And the next time trouble comes, we're like, oh, right? What's going on? I, I can't believe that. Like, what are we going to do? And we're like, well, how are we ever going to, what's going to, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what to do. Right? And it's just like, didn't he just help you through the last circumstances? Didn't he just deal with what you've just done? And how quick we are to be just like the disciples and we forget that we have all the resources we need in Christ. And we start, we, 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 we forget what he's done. And we are no more spiritually alert and bright than the disciples. And we, we, are, we fall right into the same thing that they did, where s trouble comes, something happens in our lives, and we, we were happy to take God's blessing last time, but we're really not sure that he's able to do it again this time. And we turn to all other places in order to meet those needs. And Mark is really saying to us, and Jesus is really teaching his disciples, you need to remember your resources in me. Turn to me. I'm right here. I'm right here. I have all the resources of heaven available to you. Why are you looking somewhere else? Why are you not turning to me? First Peter says, his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Do you believe that? He's given you everything that you need for life and godliness. He, all the resources are in him. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the world. He created it all. Is there anything that you have in your life that he doesn't have the resources to fix? The problem is not God's willingness to give. It's not his ability to be able to meet your need. It's whether you're willing to turn to him to have that need met. And the problem is we get into trouble. We get into, all, we get into situations. And where do we turn? 
everywhere but to him, right? We're self-sufficient. We turn to our friends. We turn, we turn to our church. We turn to all of these places instead of the understanding that the first place we turn in trouble and in need is to who? To Christ. And I want to say this gently, but I want to be, be very careful, but I want you to understand that it is not people, it is not other uh, institutions or whatever that is your primary place where you need to start when you have trouble. It is to turn to Jesus Christ and understand that he is the one who will provide. Now he may ultimately provide through others but you need to turn to him and your faith needs not to be in your neighbor or in your church or in some friends but in Jesus Christ. He's the one who will be able to provide for you. It's his power, his resources and they are available to you. D.L. Moody says this, My God shall supply all your needs according to the, his riches in Jesus Christ. Here's the check. The firm, my God. The promise shall supply the amount, all your needs. The capital, according to his riches. The address, the bank in glory. The signature, Christ Jesus. All you have to do is what? Get it endorsed. You have, to you have to go to him to get it. And he will supply it. So Mark has shown us that we need to cultivate a compassion like Christ. We need to remember our resources in Christ. And then thirdly, we need to give of our resources before he gives. We need to give of our resources before he gives. And he was asking them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. Then he also deals with the fish. And he, Here's the point. God does not just parachute in and give everything that is needed if you have resources. You don't say, you know what, I... I have I could help, but it's not enough, so I just I just won't I won't help at all. You don't say, you know, Lord, um, I see that so and so needs some food or we need help in the nursery or whatever. I'm just gonna pray that the Lord will provide. And you sit down on your little prayer mat and you, you wait for the Lord to intervene. The Lord is not going to, to, to start working through you and with you until you are willing to what? Give him everything that you have. He's not looking for, to come in here and to give you whatever you want based on, what, on, on the fact that you don't do anything. He actually says, I, I want you to use the things that you have. God uses natural means to start things. He will multiply what you give him, but he cannot multiply what you don't give him, and he won't. Now, you sometimes look at people and you say, man alive, look at how successful they are. Look at the radio ministry. Look at their TV ministry. Look at, look at what they've accomplished in their ministry. First of all, they didn't accomplish it. It was done in, in the power of Jesus Christ if it is a, if it is a godly ministry. But ultimately, 
God did, these men didn't just sit there like robots. They're not super Christians. They are, they are those who gave their talents, they gave their abilities to God, and God used them. And he will multiply what you give him, but he will not multiply it until you give it to him. These loaves were just loaves, and these fish were just fish, and they would feed one or two people until they were given to the hand of the master. And understand that in ministry and in your life, that whatever is done will be multiplied by him and in his power. It is not your might, it is not your power, it's not what you have to give. But unless you give all and you give it to him, then he will not bless it. And so we need to be those who are willing to give of our talents, to give of our time, to give of our money, to give to him. And so Christ is demonstrating for us that we need to give our resources before he what? Before he multiplies it. And so we need to make sure that we are not we are not those who are sitting passively somehow thinking that God is going to bless everything when we are not doing the part that he has commanded us to do. So we must be those who are willing to do that. Then fourthly, we see this. We need to be servants of Christ. We need to be servants of Christ. Starting, he says, and starting to give them to his disciples to serve, and they served the people. Verse 8, he ordered these to be served also. Now notice this. When Christ was working this and empowering and making it greater, he used his disciples in his service. He used his disciples in his service. Now God very well, Jesus very well could have just created all of that food and put it straight in their stomachs. He could have just made them full. He could have taken that food and he could have distributed it supernaturally to every person so they all had a little bowl with their name engraved on it, right? He could have. He could have just done it and had it all done. But he didn't. He used his disciples to serve. He used disciples to give out the food. Now recognize, when you think about this, and, and it's something that goes by you, it says the 12 distributed the food. And we're kind of like, oh yeah, okay. Now recognize, we see at the end of the passage, there's 4,000 people here with women and children. So this could be a crowd of 16,000. How long do you think it would take to serve food to all of those people? Probably a couple of hours minimum, right? This is not a small task. And we just kind of like, right? And they served them. But this was probably a task that took several hours, not several minutes. And Christ has called them to what? To be his conduits, to be those who serve him, and to join him in his work. One of the things that we, we understand from that then is that God uses means to get his will done. He uses people in, his, in ministry. He uses people to do his work. Even when he is using the supernatural 
to get his message across or even when it comes to salvation God is the one who supernaturally regenerates people. He is the one who calls them. He's the one who opens their eyes and makes them new. But he does not do it apart from what? The human messenger. He calls you to be the one to go and to give the gospel. That's why he gave the, the uh, call for us to go and share the gospel. He gave us the great commission and he said, go into the world and preach the gospel. He didn't need you. He doesn't need you. He could have just said, you know what? I'm going to send the angels. The angels are going to go across. They're all going to give the message and everyone's going to get saved or whoever I want to get saved. Or he could have put a message. He could have wrote with his hand on the sky, right? He could have just taken his hand and said, here's the message. He could have used a loudspeaker. Use your imagination. There's a million ways that God could have personally or used angels or whatever to give the gospel. But what did he do? He said, I have given, Paul says, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus says, go into the world. You will be my witnesses. He says, you are to share the gospel. He says, he's used the foolishness of preaching. He says, you are the ones who are going to spread the gospel. And God, when he moves, even when he is doing supernatural things, he is what? Getting us to be used as his servants to do his will. And so we understand then that there is a personal responsibility for every single believer to be involved in what? Service for Christ. And we don't sit back and say, wow, that, that was great. You know, God provided us with uh, what we what we prayed for, but uh, that's good, right? We've got ten thousand cans of baked beans in the in the in the basement to give out, but that's good enough. We go away, right? We are called to be in His service. We are we are the ones who are to be involved in it, and in that He blesses us, and in that He is He is using us as His instruments. And so again, we must realize that we are to be his servants. He does not achieve on earth everything without our service to him. He uses us. We are his instruments. That's why when we, when we are in church and we are loving one another, that is part of that service where God looks, where the world looks and says, who is Jesus Christ? Well, look at that. Look at the way they serve one another. Look at the way they love one another. Look at the way they, they take care of one another. There must be something about this Jesus that we want to know. And we become his servants. We become those who carry out his will. Do you realize that you are even his servant by just being obedient? By just being obedient. That's, if you are being obedient, you are reflecting Jesus Christ, you are reflecting his values, and you are serving his purpose by bringing glory to Jesus Christ. So we are called to serve. We are called to be involved. The last thing that I want us, the last lesson that I want us to look at this morning is we need to recognize the generosity of Christ. We need to recognize the generosity of Christ. It says in verse 8, And they ate 
and were satisfied. And they picked up seven large basketfuls of what was left over of the broken pieces, and about 4,000 were there, and he sent them away. Sometimes I think we have a hard time picturing God as being generous. We somehow st- have this idea that, that God is, is stingy, that God is, is, is not wanting to give us, and that if we're disobedient that he's going to be angry with us, and that if somehow that, that God is sitting up there waiting for us to make a mistake and that he's harsh. But God is not like that at all. And we see here that God, God gave and met their needs, but he gave what? Generously. It says they were satisfied. We saw, saw this word last time, remember? Satisfied, the idea is they were stuffed to the gills, right? They were full. They were completely satisfied. They didn't just eat a little bit. They just didn't get enough to take the edge of their hunger off. Didn't just, you know, satisfy them a little bit. They weren't breaking little pieces of 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 bread in half and eating they all ate they all ate till they were satisfied in full and not only did did they get enough to eat but it says they picked up seven basketfuls now we remember in in the feeding of the 5000 there was 12 baskets now that was a different word for basket right this word probably better would be translated like a hamper but the, the baskets they had at the feeding of the 5,000 were probably big enough to carry a lunch. They were big enough to carry a couple, several items so that you could carry it with you as you traveled. But this, this word for basket here is the word that was used for the basket that they, they lowered Paul over the wall with and they let him down on the rope. Remember that story in Acts? So it was big enough to carry a little Jewish man and I assume Paul was a little Jewish man. But here he was able to fit in this basket. The basket was big enough and strong enough to carry him over the wall. And here they pick up seven hampers, seven baskets full of food. We're not talking about enough for a lunch. We're talking about enough here maybe to send most of the people home with a little lunch as for their travel. And here is God again providing, and he provides not just what they need but he provides even more and we will find that in God's service if we will give if we will do what he says that God will reward us and he will reward us generously he's not a God who who holds back he's a God who gives generously beyond what we can ask or think it's Luke tells us that it is pressed down he shall give us, will be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And that is the blessings that come from our God. We may not be rich, we may not be having uh, big houses and palaces, but we will have more than we need. The fact is that we take up an offering here every day tells us that this is already true for us. The fact that he gives us blessings that he will shake down, pressed over, running over. He gives us joy. He gives us peace. He gives us all of these spiritual blessings. And they are for us. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't keep them for himself. He generously gives. 
Is this the picture that you have of God? That God is a generous, giving God. Remember what he said in, in, in the Gospels? If your earthly fathers, what? Give to you. How much more your heavenly father? Is this your picture of God? Is this how you see him? Verse 10 tells us that he immediately entered the boat and left with his disciples. Christ is on to the next place. But this morning we have again seen these lessons that Christ is reinforcing with his disciples. Lessons that they were slow to learn. Lessons that were hard for them to understand. And Jesus is again demonstrating his greatness. He's again demonstrating his power. He's again demonstrating that he is the son of God. And he's again calling you to recognize him. And to recognize who he is. And to be like him. To have his compassion for one another. For the lost. For others. To help them. He calls us not only to have compassion for one another, but he also calls us to be sad, to understand that he is a generous God, that he is a God who gives great and wonderful things to us, that we are his servants, that we are to serve him, that we are to be those who are active in his service, that we are to not only cultivate that, but we are to remember our resources in Christ. He is the one who gives us the resources. He is the one who we should turn to in times of trouble. And that we need to be those who are willing to give of our resources to him. It's not enough just to pray, but that we need to give of our time, of our talents to him. And when we do that, we will be effective in pleasing him and we will be effective in bringing glory to Jesus Christ. Let us be those who take these lessons. Let us remember these lessons and let us be those who bring glory to Jesus Christ as we serve him, as we understand these lessons here this morning. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your word. We thank you again for the glories of Jesus Christ. We see his patience. We see his compassion. We see his willingness to teach those who are slow. Heavenly Father, teach us. May we learn. May we see Jesus more. May we be those who are compassionate servants of Jesus Christ, relying on his resources, giving all that we have. And may you too bless us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places for the glory of your grace in your name. Amen.